all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, my fantastic Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Sway. How's everybody doing today? I hope everyone is doing well. For us, we had a crazy week last week. Okay, let me tell you the whole story. I gotta tell you the whole story. Let's see, it starts on Thursday of last week. My wife and I were watching some TV when my sister called and tells us that she tested positive for COVID-19. We were just with her on Saturday. My wife called her job and they told her that she could work from home. Me, I just got up and went to work normal, a normal Friday for me. Now this is where stuff gets crazy. While I'm at work, I started feeling all kind of weird. Having chills, I couldn't taste anything, and then I got a throbbing headache. I'm like, oh crap, man, I caught the corona. So I get off work and then I come home, I chill for a little bit. My wife says she's feeling bad. So we both got up on Saturday, we got dressed and everything, and we go to get tested. Now this is an all day process. Okay, maybe not all day, but a good five hours went by. It was supposed to be one of them rapid result clinics, but they were packed. There was people on the curb going down the street. It was crazy, we stood in line forever. But anyway, we're going to go the Q-tip up the nose type test. They tell us that they will call us with the results. We jump in the car, we come back home, and we're chilling. About two hours later, we finally get the car. First off, let me say this. This was the longest two hours of my life. But they finally call us, and we both tested negative. Two things ran through my mind. One, if you believe something is wrong with you, your brain will make the symptoms, and you will manifest it into reality. I thought I caught the virus, so I started feeling the symptoms of the virus. The second was that they're full of crap, and the test was wrong. Either way, someone right. But I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I caught it. I'm going to get through it, and then I ain't going to have to worry about it no more. It's going to be all good. Didn't work out that way, so now it's back to worrying about catching it. But for my sister, she's doing better every day. She's getting better. She's doing better. Okay, enough with all that. We need to get to some Star Wars, because that's what this show is about, some Star Wars. So where should we start? Really, who am I kidding? Y'all already know where we're going to start. Yep, you guessed it, The Mandalorian. And it will probably stay that way until the end of the season. At least season two of The Mandalorian. I mean, it's going to stay that way. So if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to skip ahead a little bit because there's a few spoilers in here. I ain't trying to spoil the whole thing for anybody that hasn't seen it, but there's a couple things that I bring up in the next little part in a couple minutes or so. The second episode, in my opinion, was a stepping stone to what is to come. From what I am seeing, The Mandalorian is going to be Mando looking for the Mandalorians and Baby Yoda's homework. That's what I'm figuring out it's going to be. He's looking for those two things. He's going to trade his services for information to find either one of those. It's basically the Kung Fu TV show from back in the day with a Star Wars twist. I know I said that before, but I it's really that's exactly what it is now i'm not gonna lie when i was a kid i loved the kung fu tv series wow that just showed my age because yeah it came out in the 70s then they had kung fu the legend continues and that was like in the late 80s early i think it was the late 80s but i liked it and i liked it a lot and that's why i liked the mandalorian so much but one of the things that I wanted to point out about the episode was the spider type things that they have in this episode. They look a lot like the spiders that were on Rebels. Some of the animated series are showing up more and more on The Mandalorian. So this just proves how much influence Dev Filoni has on The Mandalorian. Okay, let's get to some news and rumors then. 
Here's something very interesting. New information about Leslie Hillen's Star Wars series has been revealed. There hasn't been a lot of information about the series since it was officially announced back in May of this year. This is because Lucasfilm has been busy with The Mandalorian Season 2, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and the rumored Boba Fett series, which is apparently going into production this week. It was previously reported that the Russian Dolls co-creator Leslie Star Wars series would be centered on a female characters. This series is separate from the rumored spinoff of The Mandalorian featuring Gina Carroll, Carl Dane's character. It is unclear if the series with Dane as a central character has been given the green light from Lucasfilm at this time, but Lucasfilm has an eye for talent, and they were drawn to Leslie because of her work on Russian Dolls. The same can be said for any of the directors who've worked on The Mandalorian so far. All who have put on their own ideas into an episode, but they've also collaborated with the other directors. It's going to be very interesting to see what Hillen brings to the table. It's also going to be interesting to see how far Lucas and Disney plan to take Star Wars franchise on the small screen. Former Disney CEO Bob Iger has said repeatedly that the future of the franchise is on Disney+. Plus. The Mandalorian caught everybody by surprise, and many hardcore fans consider it to be the best thing that Lucasfilm has done since the original trilogy. With that being said, there's going to be a lot of pressure on all these up-and-coming shows to, you know, match the quality of The Mandalorian. They're going to have their work cut out for them. But enough with all that. Let's get back to Bane. And what better time to get started than right now? So let's do it. The streets of Apatros were dark. Oro charged such high rates for power that everyone turned off all their lights when they went to bed. And tonight, the moon was only the barest sliver in the sky. There wasn't even the cantina's glow to guide him. Groshik had shut off the lights in its walls and dome until he opened the next day. Des stayed in the middle of the street, trying to avoid barking his shins on the debris hidden in the darker shadows along the edges. Yet somehow, despite the near-absolute darkness, he saw them coming. It was a split second before it happened, a sense that danger was coming, and where it was coming from. Three silhouettes left at him, two coming head-on and another attacking from behind. He ducked forward just in time, feeling the metal pipe that would have cracked his skull and knocked him cold, swiping through the air a hairbreadth above him. He popped back up as it passed and lashed out with a fist, driving into the featureless head of the nearest figure. He was rewarded with a sick crunch of cartilage and bone. He ducked again, this time to the side, and the pipe that would have brained him square between the eyes thumped down hard across his left shoulder. He staggered to the side, driven by the force of the blow. But in the darkness, it took a moment for his opponents to locate him, and by then, he had regained his balance. Through the gloom, he could just make out the vague outlines of his attackers. The one he'd punched was slowly standing up. The other two stood wary and ready. He didn't have to see their faces to know who they were. The ensign and the two soldiers who'd half carried the man from the cantina. Des could smell the reek of Corellian ale wafting up at him, confirming their identities. They must have waited outside the cantina and followed him until they thought they could get the jump on him. That was good. It meant they hadn't gone back to their ship to get their blasters. See, I knew it. The incident and his buddies waited for him. Even though Dez won the money, he's still gonna lose because he's getting jumped now. So in the long run, it wasn't even worth the trouble. And that's why I don't take chances like that. You just end up putting yourself into a bad situation. Now you got three guys trying to smash in your face. One of them is trying to do it with a pole. That just doesn't seem like a good time for me. I wanna have fun and laugh, not get beaten with a pole.
They came at him again, rushing him all at once. They had the numbers and months of military hand-to-hand -hand combat training on their side. Dez had strength, size, and years of bare-knuckle brawling on his. But in the darkness, none of that really mattered. Dez met their charge head-on, and all four combatants tumbled to the ground. Punches and kicks landed without any thought given to target or strategy. The blind fighting the blind. Each blow he landed brought a satisfying grunt or groan from his opponents. But his enjoyment was limited by the pummeling his own body was enduring. It didn't matter if his eyes were open or closed. He couldn't see a thing. He reacted on instinct. Aches and pains were washed away in the darkness by the adrenaline pumping through his veins. And then suddenly he saw something. Someone had drawn a vibroblade. It was still black as the heart of the mines during a cave-in, yet Dez could see the blade clearly as if it glowed with an inner fire. It stabbed toward him, and he grabbed the wrist of the wielder, twisting it back and driving it toward the dark mass from which it had appeared. There was a sharp cry, and then a choking gurgle, and suddenly the burning blade in his vision winked out, the threat extinguished. The massive bodies entwined with his quickly untangled, two of them scampering clear. The third was motionless. A second later, he heard the click of a luma switching on, and he was momentarily blinded by its beam of light. Eyes squeezed shut. He heard a gasp. <gasps> He's dead, one of the soldiers exclaimed. You killed him! We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Shading his eyes against the illumination, Dez glanced down to see exactly what he'd expected. The ensign lying on his back. The vibroblade plunged deep into his chest. The luma flicked off and Dez braced himself for another assault. Instead, he heard the sounds of footsteps fleeing in the night, heading toward the docking pads. Dez looked down at the body, planning to grab the glowing blade and use its light to guide him through the darkness. But the blade wasn't glowing now. In fact, he realized it had never really glowed at all. It couldn't have. Vibroblades weren't energy weapons. Their blades were simple metal. There were more pressing concerns than how he had seen the vibroblade in the darkness, however. As soon as they reached their ship, the soldiers would report to their commander, who would report the incident to the Oro authorities. Oro would turn the planet upside down looking for him. Dez didn't like his chances. It would be the word of a miner, one with a history of brawls and violence at that, against two Republic naval soldiers. No one would believe it had been an act of self-defense. And had it been really? He had seen the blade coming. Could he have disarmed his opponent without killing him? Dez shook his head. He didn't have time for guilt or regrets. Not now. He had to find somewhere safe to hide out. He couldn't go back to his barracks. That was the first place they'd look. He'd never reached the mines on foot before daybreak, 
and there was nowhere in the open wastes he could hide once the sun came up. There was only one option, one hope. Eventually, they'd go looking for him there too, but he had nowhere else to go. Okay, we gotta look at a few things right here. First, we've seen another time of Dead's uncontrolled use of the Force. He sees a viral blade as a lightsaber in the dark. It's just glowing and he's the only one that can see it. Second, he has done kill one of the men. Yeah, it's the instant. He shoved the blade right into his chest. So now the money he won is gone. You can't take any money with you to jail. So he's screwed that way. Plus, he can't work if he's locked up. So he's still going to be in debt with the oral company when he gets out. There isn't crap on this planet, so there's nowhere to hide. One game of cards and his whole life is messed up. Groshek must have still been awake because he answered the door only seconds after Des began pounding on it. The Nymodian took one look at the blood on the young man's hands and shirt and grabbed him by the sleeve. Get in here, he croaked, yanking Des through the door and slamming it shut behind him. Are you hurt? Des shook his head. I don't think so. The blood is in mine. Taking a step back, the Nymodian looked him up and down. There's a lot of it. Too much. Smells human. Okay, real quick, I gotta say something about this. I don't think that I could be friends with someone that could distinguish a species by the smell of their blood. If you can smell blood and know where it came from, I can't be your friend. Can't happen. Something wrong with you. I would always be wondering if you used to eat people or something. Okay, that's all I want to say. That's just my brain overthinking things. When Des didn't reply, Groshek ventured to guess. Gods! Another shake of the head. The ensign, Des said. Groshek dropped his head and swore under his breath. Uh, who knows? Are the authorities after you? Not yet. Soon. Then, as if trying to justify his actions, he added, There were three of them, Groshek. Only one's dead. His old friend nodded sympathetically. I'm sure he had it coming. Just like Gerd. But that doesn't change the facts. A Republic soldier is dead, and you're the one who's going to take the blame. The cantina owner led Des over to the bar and brought down the bottle of Corteague brandy. Without saying a word, he poured them each a drink. This time, he didn't stop at half glasses. I'm sorry I came here, Des said, desperate to break the uncomfortable silence. I didn't mean to get you mixed up in this. Getting mixed up in things doesn't bother me. Groshek reassured him with a comforting pat on his arm. I'm just trying to figure a way to get us out of this now. Let me think. They downed their glasses. It was all Des could do to keep from panicking. With each passing second, he expected a dozen men in oral body armor to crash down the cantina's door. After what seemed like hours, but with probably only a minute or two, Groshek began to talk. He spoke softly, and Des wasn't sure if the Nymodian was addressing him or merely talking out loud to help himself think. You can't stay here. Oro can't afford to lose their Republic contracts. They'll turn the whole colony upside down to find you. We have to get you off-world. He paused. But by morning, your picture will be on every vidscreen in Republic space. Changing your looks won't help much. Even with a wig or facial prosthetics, 
You tend to stand out in a crowd. So that means we have to get you out of Republic space. And that means... Groshek trailed off. Des waited expectantly. Those things you said tonight, Groshek ventured, about the Sith and the Republic. Did you mean it? Did you really mean it? I don't know, I guess so. There was another long pause, as if the bartender was gathering himself. How would you feel about joining the Sith? He suddenly blurted out. Now, Groshek is a blunt type of guy. He basically tells Dez he has to get off the planet. There's no disguise that will hide his big butt. Groshek knows he's wrong for that. How are you going to be clowning at a time like this? Not only does he tell Dez that he has to get off the planet, he has to get out of Republic space. Now, this is where stuff goes left field. Groshek asked Dez if he meant the stuff that he said about the Sith. Dez was unsure where he was going with the conversation, so he answers, yeah, kind of. Then Groshek asked him if he'd be willing to join the Sith. See, I knew there was something wrong with Groshek. He knows what type of blood it is, and he works for the Sith. He's a bad dude. Dez was caught completely off guard. What? I know people. I can get you off-world. Tonight. But these people aren't looking for passengers. The Sith need soldiers. They're always recruiting, just like those Republic officers tonight. Dan shook his head. I don't believe this. You work for the Sith? You always said never to take sides. I don't work for the Sith, Groshek snapped. I just know people who do. I know people who work for the Republic, too. But they're not going to be much help in this situation. So I need to know, Des. Is this something you want? I don't have a lot of other options. Des mumbled in reply. Maybe, maybe not. If you stay here, the Oro authorities are sure to find you. This wasn't a cold-blooded murder. The judiciary probably won't let you get off by pleading self-defense. But they'll have to admit there were extenuating circumstances. You'll serve time on one of the penal colonies. Five, maybe six years. And then you're a free man. Or I join the Sith. Groshek nodded. Or you join the Sith. But if I'm going to help you do this, I want to be sure you know what you're getting into. Des thought about it, but not for long. I've spent my entire life trying to get off this hunk of rock. He said slowly, If I go to a prison world, I'm trading one barren, blasted planet for another. No different than staying right here. If I join the Sith, at least I'm out from under Oro's thumb. And you heard what that Republic commander said about them. The Sith respect strength. I think I'll be able to hold my own. I don't doubt that, Groshek conceded. But don't dismiss everything else that Commander said. He was right about the Brotherhood of Darkness. They can't be ruthless and cruel. They bring out the worst in some people. I don't want you to fall into that trap. First you tell me to join the Sith, Ken said. Now you're warning me against joining them. What's going on? The Nymordian gave a long, gurgling sigh. 
Ah, you're right, Des. The decision is made. Grim fate and ill fortune have conspired against you. It's not like Sabak. You can't fold a bad hand. In life, you just play the cards you're dealt. He turned away, heading for the small stairs at the back of the cantina. Come on. In a few hours after they've searched the housing units in the colony, they'll start searching the starport for you. We have to hurry if we want to get you safely hidden away on one of the freight cruisers before then. Okay, Grosha ain't that bad of a guy. He is trying to help Dez out of a situation, but this is where Dez's life is going to change forever. Dez makes a comment about the Sith respecting strength. Groshik reminds Dez of what the commander said, how the Sith can be cruel and evil. But Dez doesn't really have much of a choice at this point. Go to prison or join the Sith. The difference between Dez and myself, I would have picked the Sith a long time ago. We wouldn't even be having another rest of this conversation. I'd have been out. I'm joining the Sith. But that's just me. Dez reached out across the bar and grabbed Groshik's shoulder. Groshik turned to face him and Des clasped the Nymodian's long, slender forearm. Thank you, old friend. I won't forget this. I know you won't, Des. Though the words were kind, there was an unmistakable sorrow in the gravelly voice. Des released his grip, feeling awkward, ashamed, scared, grateful, and excited all at the same time. He felt like he needed to say something else, so he added, I'll make this up to you somehow. The next time we meet, your life here is over, Des, Groshik said, cutting him off. There won't be a next time. Not for us. The Nymordian shook his head. I don't know what's ahead of you, but I get the feeling it isn't going to be easy. Don't count on others for help. In the end, each of us is in this alone. The survivors are those who know how to look out for themselves. With that, he turned away, his feet shuffling briskly across the cantina's floor as he headed to the back exit. Des hesitated a moment, Groshik's words burning into his mind, then rushed off to follow. Dez is grateful to Groshik for all that he has done for him. He tells Groshik that one day he will pay him back. Groshik tells Dez he will never be able to pay him back. Not in the sense that Dez would be unable to pay him back, but this was probably the last time that they would ever see each other. Then he gives Dez some advice. He tells Dez that he can't count on anyone. The only person that will ever truly have his back is himself, no one else. The people that survive this galaxy are the people that realize that's all they have is their self. Huddled in the hold of the ship, Des tried to get comfortable. He'd been crammed into the small smuggler's hatch for nearly an hour. It was a tight fit for a man of his size. Twenty minutes earlier, he'd heard an oral patrol come to inspect the ship. They'd made a cursory search, not finding the fugitive they were seeking they'd left. A few seconds later, the captain, a Rodian pilot, had rapped hard on the panel keeping Des hidden. You stay until engines go. He'd called in passable galactic basic. We take off, you come out. Not before. Des hadn't recognized him when he climbed aboard. He'd looked like any other Rodian he'd ever seen. Just another independent freighter captain picking up a load of cortosis, hoping to sell it on some other world for enough profit to keep a ship flying another few months. 
If Oro had offered a reward for Dez's capture, the captain probably would have sold him out. That meant the Oro managers hadn't put a price on his head. They were more worried about paying out a bounty than letting a fugitive escape Republic justice. It wasn't important that they found him. As long as they could show the Republic, they tried. Groshek must have realized all this when he made the arrangements to smuggle Dez aboard. The high-pitched whine of the engines powering up caused Dez to brace himself against the walls of his close quarters. A few seconds later, the whine became a deafening roar, and the ship lurched beneath him. The repulsors fired, counterbalancing the vessel, and Dez felt the press of the G's as the ship took to the sky. He kicked the panel once, knocking it free, and untangled himself from the hidey hole. The captain and crew weren't around. They would all be at their stations for liftoff. Dez didn't know their destination. All he knew was that at the end of the trip, a human woman was waiting to sign him up for the Sith Army. As before, the thought filled him with a mix of emotions. Fear and excitement dominated all the others. There was a slight jostling of the ship as it broke atmosphere and began to speed away from the tiny mining world. A few seconds later, Des felt an unfamiliar but unmistakable surge as they jumped to hyperspace. A sudden sense of liberation filled his spirit. He was free. For the first time in his life, he was beyond the grasping reach of Oro and its Cortosis mines. Groshik had said that grim fate and ill fortune were conspiring against him, but Dez wasn't so sure now. Things hadn't worked out quite the way he'd planned. He was a fugitive, with the blood of a Republic soldier on his hands, but he had finally escaped Apatros. Maybe the cards he'd been dealt weren't so bad after all. In the end, he'd gotten the one thing he wanted most. And when you came right down to it, wasn't that the only thing that really mattered? So the final part of this chapter is all about Dez being smuggled off of Patros. He's stuck in some small hidden compartment, told to stay there until he took off. All he knows is when they arrive to their destination, he is meeting up with a woman that was going to take him to join the Sith. In my opinion, he is way too trusting. Groshek smelled the blood on him and knew it was human, sent him to meet someone that would sign him up with the Sith, but at the same time really acted as if he cared about him. Groshek told him to join the Sith, then told him not to join the Sith. The dude is just crazy. There's something wrong with Groshek. I don't think he really knew what he was doing. But that's all we got for this chapter. Join us next week to find out what happens in Chapter 6. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.